Welcome to the King Truth Podcast. This is your host, King Truth. In the last episode, I spoke about the Dahomey Amazon, the most feared women in history. In my new series, Fearless Black Women in Black History. Today we have an episode which is number two in the series. It's part of the Black History Academy, the Queen of the Mountains. Now, growing up, we were taught about Harriet Tubman and the work she did to free slaves during the time of slavery. The Underground Railroad was was burned into our brains, and we were fascinated with the history lesson. Harriet Tubman led many slaves to freedom and continued to go back and get more slaves. The courage and bravery that she had be parallel to no other person in history. She was our Moses, if he existed. Now I will save that for another episode. Harriet Tubman would go on to help the Union during the Civil War as a nurse and a spy. I read every book that I could find growing up about Harriet Tubman. She was one of my favorite people not just in black history, but in history in general. And in my research, I thought I would never find another person that did what she did for slaves in getting them to freedom. Well, I was proven wrong. And I'm gonna tell you a little bit about that person today. Her name is Queen Nanny. Known as a Jamaican hero, Queen Nanny was the leader of the Windward Maroons in Jamaica in the 1700s. She helped freed slaves and took on the big bad British army and was able to stand her ground and secure a peace treaty that allowed them to remain free and was given land by the British government. But wait, I'm getting ahead of myself so here's the story of Queen Nanny. So Nanny was born around 1686 in the Asante tribe, which is now present-day Ghana. Her and some of her relatives would eventually be sold into slavery and shipped to Jamaica. Now when we think of slavery, we think it was big here in America, but it was much bigger on the islands, especially Jamaica. Their top crop was sugarcane. And that is what Nanny was brought to Jamaica to cultivate. She was more than likely sold to the St. Thomas Parish around the Port Royal area. Now by 1720, Nanny and her brothers would have escaped slavery and developed their own towns made of free slaves. With her brother Quayle, they settled and controlled an area in the Blue Mountains. Later, it would be given the name Nanny Town. What made it difficult for the British to attack Nanny Town was its location. And you know the saying, location, location, location. Their settlement sat in a place that overlooked the Stony River on a 900 foot ridge. The British could not sneak up on them or attack them. Nanny and the rest of the Maroons were able to see them coming and were able to prepare and defend Nanny Town. Now, a few minutes ago, I mentioned a group of people called the Maroons, and I feel I should explain who they are. 
So the Maroons are descendants of West Africa. They mainly came from the same area that Nanny came from, the Akan Asante people in present-day Ghana. They were known for their fierce fighters. They were a group of slaves that fled the terrible, oppressive conditions of their plantation and started their own communities in Jamaica. Prior to the 1650s, slaves would escape and marry into one of the native tribes on the island called the Arwak and join the people in the Blue Mountains. Once the British took control of Jamaica, more slaves would escape their plantation to join either the Windward Maroons or the Leeward Maroons, led by Queen Nanny and her brother Cujo. Now these Maroons orchestrated many of the slave rebellions that took place in Jamaica from 1655 until the time of the peace treaty between the British and the Maroons in 1739 and 1740. They would free slaves from their plantations, they would destroy land, they would also destroy buildings that were owned by plantation owners. Now Queen Nanny's popularity grew so much that she became a folk hero amongst the people in Nanny Town. I'm not saying that any town never fell to the British because it did. It fell to the British quite a few times. And they would see and the British would seize control of that area, but they had a hard time holding on to it. Prior to the American Revolution, when we believed that guerrilla warfare began, Queen Nanny and the Windward Maroons introduced the British to what guerrilla warfare was by launching numerous guerrilla attacks on the British. And Nanny and her people were able to launch a successful campaign against the British for well over a decade. The Windward Maroons, along with their leader, Queen Nanny, would leave Nanny Town to settle a new Nanny Town on 500 acres of land that the British government gave them as part of the peace treaty that they signed in 1740 and that peace treaty ended the first maroon war now the new nanny town was set up almost identical to the way the asante lived in africa they raised their own animals they grew their own crops they hunted and they traded food with nearby communities and towns in order to get supplies like clothes and weapons Queen Nanny, for the better part of 30 years, freed more than a thousand slaves from bondage and helped them move into the Maroon community. A lot of her followers, though, credit her success and her leadership to her Obey powers. Now, Obey is similar to many African religions that were practiced at the time, as well as today, religions such as Haitian voodoo, Santeria or Hoodoo. I'll be going more in depth about these religions at a later date, but what these religions have in common is that they incorporate the communication with our ancestors and rituals for healing. While still practiced in Africa, it is also practiced in Jamaica, Trinidad, Tobago, Guyana, Barbados, and Belize and in many other countries in the Caribbean. 
Queen Nanny had an extensive knowledge about herbs and other healing methods that was practiced by African tribes and also from the natives on the land as well on the island as well. She was the physical and spiritual healer for Nanny Town and New Nanny Town. Now, as I've stated before, Queen Nanny came from the Asante tribe. And just like her native tribe, she resisted Europeans like they did in West Africa. She is sometimes compared to another Asante tribal leader, Nanege Asantewa. And I have an episode coming up that's going to go more in depth about Asantewa. But she also fought back against the British 200 years after Queen Nanny. Now from 1728 until the treaty that took place in 1739 and 1740, Queen Nanny and the Wimbrook Maroons held off, fought back, and beat the British in the First Maroon War. Strategically, the Maroons had advantage based on location. Not only did they use the ravine tactically against the British, they also used decoys. Similar to what the Sioux Indians would do to the United States military during the battles in, in the 1870s and 1880s, the Maroons would run a few out into the open just to grab the British soldiers' attention. After they get their attention, they may attack them a little bit, but ultimately what they wanted was the British to chase them. And when they would chase them, they would have them chase them into awaiting maroons who were hidden and would spring their attack. So the British decided to counter this by attacking the village. Sort of like the battle in Little Bighorn. But that did nothing because Queen Nanny and Nanny Town only had casualties in single digits. There was nobody in Nanny Town when the British attacked. Just like the battle in Little Bighorn, when General Custer attacked, there was no one there. So the Sioux Indians only had minor casualties, but were able to beat back and defeat the United States military. And Queen Nanny and the Windward Maroons were able to do the same almost a hundred years prior to the Sioux Indians. Now, Jamaica loves Queen Nanny and everything that she did. For instance, in 1976, they proclaimed Queen Nanny a natural hero. And unlike what the United States was supposed to do with Harriet Tubman and the $20 bill, Queen Nanny is on the Jamaican $500 bill, which people refer to as a nanny. There's a monument erected in Moortown, which is originally Nanny Town. And Yale University even uses her portrait as the logo for the Galder Lyman Center for the Study of Slavery, Resistance, and Abolition, which sponsors research into slavery in the Americas. Queen Nanny is a national monument and hero in Jamaica that many in the diaspora knows nothing about. Even though there was no internet back then or cell phones, I'm pretty sure that Harriet Tubman heard about the legend of the Queen of the Mountains, Queen Nanny. 
Nanny should be an influential figure that we should study because of her fearlessness, strength, and love for her people that allowed her to thrive and push back against the tyranny and oppression that was attempted to be placed amongst her and the Maroons of Jamaica. Long live the Queen. Thank you for listening to another episode. This is the episode two in the Most Fearless Women in Black History series, which is part of the Black History Academy. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or any place that you listen to podcast shows. Also, leave a comment and review on the episodes and on the podcast. I would love to hear from you. You can also find me on Instagram at King Truth Podcast. I'm also on Facebook at King Truth Podcast. Also, visit my website, kingtruth.wixsite.com slash kingtruthpodcast. That's King Truth Wixsite, W-I-X-S-I-T-E dot com slash kingtruthpodcast. Tell your family, tell your friends, tell your co-workers about this show and let's see this thing grow. I will see you in the next episode when we talk about Asana Shakur. You guys have a good one.